Welcome to Backstage with Becca P with special guest Jordan Ross. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, I'm talking with one of the creators of Cruel Intentions Musical and he's also worked on A Walk to Remember Musical, I Know What You Did Last Summer Musical, Jennifer's Body Musical, and much more. Please welcome Jordan Ross. Awesome. How are you? I think this is so awesome that you're doing this. I'm doing good. Uh, I've done, this is my 11th episode of this, so. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So. Are you just, uh, you're just uploading, you're just uploading them to YouTube and then uh, sharing them? Yeah, I'm uploading them to YouTube and sharing them. And uh, today I uploaded them all to, as podcasts too. And I'm trying to get it oh, cool. uploaded to Apple Podcasts. Awesome. Eventually. That's very, very cool. How has your, how has your uh, quarantine been aside from the podcasting interview game? Tough at first. I think it was for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was weird. I, I mean, we, we had a, we had a, um, we had a never been kiss show like March 15th. Were you at that one? I wasn't. And I was like debating on going and I texted my mom. I was like, Okay, so like everything's shut down and I really want to go because I don't yeah. know when everything's coming back, but I'm not sure if it's good to get in an Uber right now and go to the it show. Was, it was bizarre. I mean, we did have a really wonderful crowd. I was kind of impressed, especially because a few days later was when we officially shut down. Yeah. Uh, the fact that everyone still came out, I was pretty uh pretty surprised and there was a really nice energy in the room because I think we all sort of knew that this was going to be it um you know so that's that's a bummer I mean I'm I'm, I'm bummed that we didn't really get to have our full cast kind of get a full closing night but yeah I got cut too short so did um did you see found with I did uh, not see found with jo uh, was that Jonah like and, and uh Jordan, Jordan. yeah yeah, this is once again, I'm in a situation where there's like competing shows happening. I remember yeah. like I barely saw American Idiot during Cruel Intentions because they were always on the same night that we had shows. Yep, it was at the same time. Craziness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, work, like I can imagine working in theater is great, but then there's like the certain aspect of it where you're when you're working on a show, you can't go see other shows much. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, I mean, I mean, especially when you're behind the scenes, because, yeah. um, well, more specifically lately, you know, when you're wearing so many hats, you know, to get out of a show to run uh, somewhere else, you, at least takes like 30 minutes to 45 minutes just to like, clean up. Yeah. And um, so I usually commit to being at the venue that is hosting the show. Um, at least uh, for that night. And then if I can catch something another night, I'll catch it the other night. Yeah, and you mentioned wearing a bunch of hats right now, and you have, especially in the past, I think like two, three years. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what what are have been some of your titles or all of your titles? Oh, well, I mean, you know, what's funny, what's funny when we started Cruel Intentions of the Rockwell, I really had like no interest in directing I also just like didn't really know where to start I think like I, I I love theater and I love being a part of the audience um and initially you know when we started with Cruel Intentions in my head I was like 
okay, I have this vision, but in terms of actually putting up it up on its feet, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but then, you know, as the years went on and I kind of kept experimenting with theater around Los Angeles, the, the vision for the show became clearer and clearer and clearer to the point where I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy the costumes, I'm gonna buy the props, I'm going to direct this thing, I'm going to, um, and there are obviously pros and cons to doing that. I mean, in terms of just like stress level, you're like running around, uh, kind of pulling your hair out. Um, yeah. That's why it was it was so nice, you know, kind of teaming up with, with Joey and uh, Emma in that way, because um, we, uh, and Lindsay, we worked so well together that I feel like we were all able to um, kind of, you know, feed on each other's strengths um, and, and, and use each other so that we could put up the best show possible. Um, but I, I really do, it's, it's weird. It's so weird. It's like, I always say when I'm wearing all the hats that I wish I wasn't. And then, you know, but it's sometimes really hard to kind of step back and, you know, let other people do their jobs. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I really, I will say I, I loved, loved, loved directing, um, a walk to remember um, a lot. I, I just think that because the show was smaller um, and that the story was so contained, I always sort of knew in my head exactly what it wanted to be. And um, both the three clubs and the Rockwell performances, I think the show just finally became exactly what it needed to be. For sure. I mean, it was, I was so happy it was brought to life, like on- Oh, like, thank you. With, act, with the acting out and everything and all the stage directions, because I did see the reading, but it's like- Yeah, that was also, I mean, like that was crazy because literally I think the day after the reading, I had to go to New York for the, the Cruel Intentions pop-up. So Janelle literally like did walk to remember and flew to New York for rehearsal. And then a few days later I left. Um, so that was such a, storm of everything happening at the same time. We were also doing Beauty and the Beat um, at Prospect at that time too. So um, yeah, I mean, like I definitely did not expect to, um, for Cruel Intentions to be like the beginning of like this sort of like LA theater adventure that I've been on. Um, I'm very glad that it has been though, you know. Yeah, and it's, I mean, did you ever expect for it to get a tour and like, go to New York? No, 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 no. I mean, I think um, there, is a, there is a story that Lindsay and I tell often where we were standing in the sound booth at the Rockwell together watching the show and we both sort of looked at each other and were like, oh, this is really good. You know, like I, I, I was probably in, maybe in May, you know, that, that first run. Um, Definitely before, you know, Sarah and Selma and Reese came to the show. It was definitely before that. But I think we looked at each other and we were like, do we have something here? Um, and everything else has just been such a wonderful blessing. Um, you know, I, the, the, the show, the idea for the show came during a time where I was not working. Um, I was a TV, I was a, a, a showrunner's assistant. And um, I had seen so many for the record shows at the Rockwell, um, you know, Janelle and I would go uh, all the time and then Janelle was in them and, um, uh, you know, Zemeckis and um, uh, Baz Luhrmann, the original run, you know, with that when Janelle was uh, Juliet and 
I remember sitting there watching the shows and being like, well, this is amazing. It sort of takes me back to, um, you know, when I was in high school, because I used to be in musical theater myself until I realized that um, there was not a future for, for me in that anywhere, <laughs> on stage anyway. Um, it's not my, not my thing. But hey, you, you still got involved in musical theater. 100, 100, 100%. 100%. I, I don't, I would just say when I was in high school, I don't think um, there was any part of me that thought that I would be behind the scenes creatively. Yeah. I was like very confident that like, you know, I can be an actor, I can do this. And I have so much more respect for all actors everywhere um, for the uh, patience um, that it takes to follow your dream and the work that they do. Um, and I never thought when I was like sitting in my room going like, okay, I'm going to make Cruel Intentions musical that it was going to sort of snowball into what it, what it is, what it is now, um, at, at all. And I think sometimes I say that, or I like put it in like an Instagram caption, uh, or something. And I, I genuinely mean that I, that entire, that entire first run was more of like a, uh, out of body experience. Um, just sort of, you know, yes, it was very cool to see the actors from the movie come and see the show. And obviously like I was a huge Buffy fan. So meeting Sarah in person was like a very big milestone for me. <laughs> um, but I, but I was also, I think I was more excited by seeing what the audience's reaction to it was, you know, every time that they would hear the song um, and obviously getting to work with, um, you know, Katie Stevens and Molly McCook and, um, uh, people that I had known for a very long time prior to that show who are dear, dear friends of mine. And then also getting to meet this entire world of theater actors living in LA. Um, I, I messaged Constantine Rizzoli on Facebook asking him to do the show. And we had never, we had never like met in person before. Um, and he literally was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Like, you know, got back to me. We, I mean, it was a really like in the trenches, all in it together, um, kind of misfit production when we started. And then, God, it's over five years now. I, I can't, I can't believe it. I have like a little cruel wall behind oh, me. I see that. I miss it so much. Um, <laughs> me too. I mean, honestly, it's so, it's, it's so weird. You, you would think, you would think that after seeing it so many times, I would be, like every, I, I get so anxious. I stand in the back and I like pace back and forth because I, yep. I just love, <laughs> Can confirm. I love the show. I love the show so much that I always, you know, um, love seeing it when it's firing all cylinders and um, the show, every iteration of the show is special to me, but um, it's, it's just, it's just become this thing that brings so much joy to people uh, and nostalgia and, um, people from all ages too, for all, from all ages. I, I, I really do. Um, that's, what's really exciting to me too, is when you see, you know, it's not just the nineties kids having a ball. It's, um, you know, everybody's come out for the party. Do you think it was like the kind of in between? Cause I think it was like kind of the in between for, for, with, for the record and the current I, rock know, shows. Yeah. Bring audience. I mean, look, we never, we never looked at it as following on the heels of any anybody else. I mean, I it, it would be it would be wrong to say that I wasn't inspired by um, 
the, the, the things that I had seen at the Rockwell previously. Um, but, you know, we just sort of went into it as we have three performances. Let's, you know, let's, you know, knock these out of the park and, and, and see what happens. Um, the one thing that I, the one, one of the things that I'll always say when everybody asks is that I never intended it for it to be a parody. I know Lindsay feels the same way. Um, there's, uh, you know, Roger's film, you know, which is a favorite of mine. I even like have it sitting on my desk here in its DVD box, um, is, is already so funny. Um, and the way that the movie turns from funny to heartbreaking, we really just wanted the audience to be on that, you know, emotional roller coaster because that that is young love. You know, there are sort of highs and laughter and then sometimes lows. And, um, you know, the music just allowed us to um, accentuate those moments as opposed to making, making fun of them. I mean, of course, when you hear some of these songs in the context of the show, you're, um, first reaction is to laugh because you're recognizing like, oh my God, I can't believe they're doing this. But, you know, Annette starts singing Foolish Games and you want the audience, (laughs) you want the audience to sort of be in that moment with her um, as opposed to sort of snickering in the background. So it was really important for us to sort of draw a distinction between what Cruel Intentions was and everything, I guess, that came after the fact um, and that's that's why I was pretty. Um, that that, I, that that's the way I try to tackle any title that comes, um, you know, on my plate. That's why I was very specific, you know, uh, with Emma. And we sat down and we were like, "How do we do Never Been Kissed, but not not make fun of the movie? You know, not chop it, not chop it up, and um, you know, try to make it." Uh, we, we want people to that, that love the movie to come and see something that they recognize. Um, but but there, it's completely fine to, you know, add your own commentary to it as well. And I think we found a, we, I always try to find a fine line with that. Yeah. Um, how do you go about when you're uh, making a musical like you do? Because most of the musicals that you adapt for the stage aren't really parodies. They're right. just like unauthorized. So how do you like find or like get the permission and the rights and stuff for? I mean, I really don't. Is that, is that, I mean, look, I, I, um, I've learned like throughout this process and obviously I, I don't know if I should be saying this like on camera in an interview, but um, it's easier to ask forgiveness than to ask for permission. Right. So I, I will be the first one to say, um, I'm so sorry, you know, here's what it is. And, you know, um, but I, I try to find titles that I think will excite people the same way that I get excited about them. And usually those are cult movies that have, um, sort of, you know, sort of, um, survive the, survive the testament of, of time. It, um, you know, they are sort of like these feel good, movies that are guilty pleasures and um and you know I I try to be careful about tackling titles that I feel like are going to be impossible to do without some sort of like studio oversight um but no I mean we we haven't 
we have I haven't really um gotten the rights for I think anything I've done you know and we definitely did not have the rights for cruel intentions Roger will tell you that for sure um <laughs> um but then at the same time I think if you create something that honors the work um and like a love letter you know, um like a love letter that you know sort of gives credit where it's due you know um as opposed to sort of being like this is my thing um it always honors where it came from and they all they all do um and we were we're so fortunate to have roger as one of our co-creators of the musical um and then you know for everything else i mean you know i i didn't I, in my head i go i don't think they'll be making a jennifer's body musical anytime soon so i just sort of ran with it um and uh yeah i mean i i, I hope that anybody who's involved with the films or the TV shows or, um, that come and see the shows um, realize that it's all done with, with love. Because a lot of people do come to see the shows that are involved in the, in the movies and TV shows. Yeah, most of the time, I'm pretty good about extending invites. I want everybody to feel like they're welcome to come and see the show. Um, and then obviously we've had some, uh, some people show up unannounced and that's always really wonderful. Like I had no idea Amanda Seyfried was coming to see Jennifer's body. That was... That was that was pretty, and like I'm sitting in the back, I think you know. <laughs> yeah, I that was I mean, and she like her her friends bought tickets, and I remember she went to Joey, and uh, her her, uh, her friend went to Joey, and was like, she doesn't want to be pulled up onto stage, and Joey's like, don't worry, that's not this kind of show. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was cool, and she was very very sweet, and we stood in the back, and she was you know very complimentary, um, and so that so that was really cool. I mean, honestly, I don't think anything will ever top. Selma, recent Sarah coming to see Cruel Intentions. Yeah. Um, and the OC musical, the one at the Montalban that one night, that was pretty, that was, that kind of blew my mind a little bit because of just the, the way that went from being like this 120 seat one night only concert to um, nine over 900 people at the Montalban. I think we were sold out in like 15 minutes. Yeah. I, Lindsay called me and was like, you know, we're going to need a bigger venue. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, I, like it hadn't even, I think I had been the one being like, no, we're going to do this 120 seat thing. Like, that's what we're doing. And we we just couldn't do it. There were too many people interested in tickets. So the OC fans went crazy. <laughs> no, went, went nuts. I think I also like the, watching them try to figure out like before the show, like what this was going to be was really interesting because at first we were like, okay, it's a musical. Um, and, you know, very grateful for um, uh, a friend of mine who was over at EW at the time who, you know, tried to help us um, get the word out that it was going to be sort of a musical reading of the pilot with songs from the show. And that, we, I mean, that was just such a, that was just such a blast. Um, and I, I, sometimes I can't even believe that happened. I'm always just like, that was like a one night only blur i showed up to the after party after like putting everything in my car being like did we just do a show we just did a show okay cool <laughs> has there been talk of i had two questions in my head at once has there been yes. talk of uh oc musical coming back for like a full stage musical like no no i mean i think i think Lindsay and i have always sort of loved the idea of doing more of uh, more shows like the oc that one that we did um, obviously, um, life and work, you know, you know, yeah. sort of got in the way. So we never really did, um, a, a follow-up TV musical. 
Um, but it's something we always talk about. We, we had um, been talking about doing Friday Night Lights for a while, um, you, right around maybe about a year yeah. after we had done the OC musical. So that's still something that's kicking around on uh, both our laptops that we would love to see happen one day when we're able to do so. And I wonder if Scott would participate in it. <laughs> Well, Scott was, he, we announced him as being involved when we announced it and then we never did it. So, um, you know, he agreed to play coach Taylor if, and when we did this oh, thing. Yeah. So I hope he will still, uh, come and do that. Uh, you know, when we, when we get it off the ground, um, I, I, I don't know something about, you know, when we had Autumn Reeser play Julie Cooper, which, which was, so cool um it got in my head going like well maybe every single time we do one of these we can get an actor um who's oh, musically yeah. inclined from the original show to play a different part and um you know i i love scott porter he's welcome to do yeah. any show that he he wants to do i mean so many actors in these shows and movies are musically inclined so it's, yeah I mean, yeah that was person. yeah oh I, absolutely and i you know i i have a long list of TV shows that I would love to give the musical treatment to. It's it's more so um, the time, you know, and and also um, you know making sure that if you're going to do one of these, that there's like a narrative drive to it. You know, not all shows have um, a, a soundtrack that lends itself to this kind of format. You know, the OC was like the voice of a generation. Um, there are other shows that sort of came on the heels of the OC that I think sort of have very iconic music moments, um, but but some don't. And I, I think that, um, you know, in, in, in the way that I operate, uh, a jukebox musical needs to drive the story, not just be needle drops everywhere. Um, and if, if, that, if we can't accomplish that, then it's sort of a non-starter for me because, um, you know, people can stay at home and listen to the soundtrack or watch the TV show. We want to try to give them something um, a little bit different in the live viewing experience. So what's the process of like picking out songs that aren't on the soundtracks to be in musicals? Because there's uh, some yeah. really good musical directors for your shows. Like yeah, well, yeah, I got so, I mean, I got so lucky. I mean, Love's X-Bound. Um, he and I are working on something currently that I probably should not talk about on <laughs> camera, but, um, and then Elmo, obviously he and I yeah. worked together, um, a lot. I was, uh, I love working with Elmo. I was thrilled to get to work with Gregory neighbors for the first time ever for never been kissed. Um, you know, I, when it comes to song choice, it's a lot of me just sort of like in my room watching the movie while like browsing Spotify. Um, and, but, but when it comes to sort of like a sound, like if, if it's a movie like Never Been Kissed, it's a movie like Cruel Intentions, where the soundtrack is, um, is, is memorable, you know, that there are music moments in the movie that you just can't do the show without. Um, it's finding songs that are, that would fit on that soundtrack, right? So, you know, I, the Cruel Intentions soundtrack is just an overall incredible album, um, but there are only, I think, four or five of them that you know sort of in the context of our show that you would immediately recognize as being from cruel intentions um so it was really easy to go okay this is going to be a 90s musical um obviously with never been kissed the fact that she um is older and going back to school in the 90s gave us the opportunity 
to have two different decades and try really hard to make sure that Josie's song choices felt like they were from a different time. Meanwhile, all of the teenagers of today are singing songs, um, you know, from, from the 90s. So uh, we just, we, I wanted to feel cohesive. Um, you know, another example with Jennifer's Body was that like, aside from that one song from the movie, it doesn't have really an iconic soundtrack, you know, that it was very of the time. So, you know, I made the choice to sort of go with 2000s pop um, because it sort of felt um, like high school of that of that time period, um, you know, and sometimes it's like starting from 100% starting from scratch, you know, whereas with something like Walk to Remember where like the whole album is like Switchfoot and Mandy Moore, the, yeah, I mean, the tone is sort of already there. Um, so it was easy to sort of stay within that in that in that window but a lot of but some of the songs or a good number of the songs from the reading to the stage full stage musical for walk to remember changed so you mean from from walk you mean yeah from walk to remember yeah i think i think with that it was more well a there were a few i guess songs from the movie that i did not put in the show and some people were like how dare you so i kind of went back to make sure we hit some of those uh, beats a little bit. And then obviously some distance, you know, some time away from the reading um, allowed me to kind of start from scratch when we, you know, went back to try to put it up at three clubs. I really wanted to try and bring some new energy into it. Um, and, uh, you know, again, like I said before, making sure that those narrative beats were being hit. Ow! Was it through for the record that you got to know people in the LA theater scene? Or was it before then or after then? No, I mean, I had knew, so, I, so I've known Molly McCook since I moved out here um, and she's, she's one, of my, one of my best friends. So, um, you know, through Molly, that was how I met Janelle. They had done Spring Awakening together. Um, you know, I had met Katie Stevens through other friends um, and then I saw Katie in Bear and Katie had been in Bear with Lindsay Pierce and like, they were just like, all of these worlds were sort of crossing over um, and, you know, Payson was in, uh, you know, Bear as well and was in For the Record. So I think just by going and seeing the shows was sort of how I got to know people. Um, and then obviously when I was starting to put my, 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 you know, put Cruel Intentions together initially, I, you know, of course would reach out to the, the people that I knew, um, who I was friends with, who I wanted to work with. Um, and, uh, you know, Molly, Katie, I think Tyler Sheaf and Shelly were maybe like the first four people that were really involved in Cruel Intentions from like a cast perspective. Um, and, you know, just from being at the Rockwell for those five months that we were there, I met so many people um, and my world just kind of continued to, you know, open and bring in more um, of the LA theater community. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, thank you, Molly McCook. I guess we're introducing <laughs> all of the LA theater people. I mean, that I mean, I would say that was that's probably the way that I, um, you know, met everybody else. It's like everyone's somehow connected to each other in the LA theater. Oh, it's oh yeah, it's 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 wild. And I mean, even now there are people I meet who will tell me that they came and saw Cruel Intentions at the Rockwell, and I'm like, oh, that's that's so awesome. That's great. Thank you. You know, that had no idea that they were there. Um, but are now in my orbit. Brian Logan Dales is somebody who saw Cruel Intentions at the Rockwell, who, when I met him, had no idea that he had seen the show. So, oh. um, 
you know, so so it, that that always happens. I think because obviously, you know, LA is not New York. You know, it's a smaller um, yeah. theater world um, that outside of the Pantages and the Amundsen and sort of the big commercial theaters, um, you know, some of the smaller ones, you know, the dinner theater, you know, um, you know, they do draw a, a, a specific crowd. And um, that's, you know, and that's it's such a great way to also um, just meet other people who are interested in creating uh, live entertainment. Yeah, people like the intimate feeling of places yeah. like Rockwell and all these other venues. Yeah, 100%. Uh, how do you get people who haven't done musical theater? Like, I mean, Brian Logan Dales hadn't done musical theater before, right? Before, I know. No, but he, he didn't, but he, lo I mean, like, he loves theater. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't, I don't think it, I, he was living in Nashville at the time. Um, I do remember pretty vividly that Greer Grammer had told me back during the OC musical that like Brian Logandales was interested in being a part of it, but I didn't know who he was. And I think we had already asked somebody. Um, so when I reached out about, I know what you did last summer, I think he was kind of like, oh, I don't know. He also knows Katie Stevens. So I was like, will you tell him to do the show? Like put in a good word. Um, and uh, I've loved, I mean, like, I've loved having him. I mean, somebody else I had to twist uh, his arm a few times was Matt Shively. I, you know, um, and, you know, and then he got up there in Jennifer's body and I was like, are you kidding me? Come on. How, how do you get them like comfortable with it though? If they haven't been on stage. You know, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I definitely think that there were some, um, you know, reservations, but I, I, I got to give Joey Bybee all the credit there. I can't take any of it, you know, because he directed both of those shows, um, did a fantastic job and really, um, you know, was there to kind of walk them through that first time process. But I will say, you know, you know, Brian Logan Dales is no stranger to performing for a crowd. Um, and, you know, and, 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 and in his heart, you know, Matt Shively is a true performer. So I think that, you know, it's more so about, you know, taking what you know and adapting it for this, this new medium. Um, and, you know, they, they, they did an incredible job. Yeah. And if you didn't know who they were beforehand, as an audience member, I feel like you would think they've been performing in theater all their life. I mean, they, I mean, it's really, I, I think everybody, I'm always so, I'm always just so grateful to have had the opportunity to, um, work alongside, you know, some of the actors, directors, music directors, everybody, um, because it really is a, it, it really is a group effort. You know, that's one of the things I love about theater. It's like a true collaboration. Um, you know, everybody has ideas, you know, there, there really should be no egos in theater because, um, we all are working towards the exact same goal of putting up the best show possible. Um, you know, so, you know, in terms of blocking, in terms of um, a specific line read, you know, somebody might have an idea for something that I did not personally think of. Um, and, you know, to, 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 for a director, at least in the, in the experiences that I've had um, as director, um, to sort of just not be open to all ideas does a disservice to the production. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that, you know, um, Lindsay Rosen and Joey Bybee uh, and Emma Hunton were all such fantastic 
uh, role models for me as somebody who was sort of learning and wanting to do more production, uh, more directing of, uh, of hearing everybody's voice yeah. in a scenario. And, um, and yeah, I mean, that's just, that's, I think that, that makes every theater experience significantly more, uh, significantly smoother and more enjoyable when everybody is sort of working um, together. And going back to Cruel Intentions for a second, yeah. when was it that you all got approached to take the show to New York and possibly take it on the tour? On a tour? Uh, oh God. We, it was definitely after the Rockwell run. Um, I remember our rock star uh, executive producer, Eva Price, came to see it at Prospect. So we had, uh, Lindsay and I had, uh, gone to New York, we sort of knew the second we sat down with Eva that she was the the only choice for this show. Um, and, you know, getting to uh, work with her and learn from her um, has been um, the experience of, of a lifetime. But, you know, it sort of started in, it started slowly. I mean, we, we sort of did that pop up, you know, and then we did our off-Broadway run, which um, ran for, I think, five months uh, at La Poisson Rouge in Greenwich. Oh, I like that. Um, it was a little, yeah, I mean, and, and, and such a such a cool venue. And um, I think that we were sort of like the first show um, that had used it in, in, in that capacity, like the first like residency musical, I think, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the tour sort of happened after after that and like i said before every single iteration has sort of been special in its own you know unique way and um obviously the tour was the first time that we had a set so that was that was that was sort of like watching the show again for the first time because it was just um a very different experience um as an audience member um yeah. and the set was just so was so beautiful I mean that that was I, I just like I just like couldn't look away because I just was like oh my god is that really is like that the Belmont house um so that that was really exciting but I mean like I, I I really I really mean it when I say you know every sort of step in the journey has been um a, a like a, a wonderful surprise um like I didn't I didn't think that we were going to have a cast album you know I, I like not, not when I, not when I was like, not when we started, you know, like that wasn't even something that we were talking about. And now it's something that people can like listen to in their car and on Spotify. And um, so that's wild. Like I still, I still, I mean, I still can't believe that. I mean, it's something that the Broadway community knows about now that like, it's not only the LA community no, knows about yeah. it, but, the, but everyone in NYC who loves theater now knows about it and yeah and I mean you, you know I remember I remember when I was in New York I think for the off-Broadway run I think we were in rehearsals I like ran to opening night of um meteor shower after rehearsal one night like I literally was like I got a ticket I'm out of here um and I ran over there and I was sitting there and our um there was an advertisement for it in the playbill um and that was that was interesting that was that was uh that 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 was really cool and obviously like I'm sitting there <laughs> looking at it like super excited about it but like nobody else around me like noticed but I got to have that moment by myself in this really um uh this this sort of uh, you know old Broadway theater um which was which was 
Very, very cool. I mean, I think honestly for me, the full circle moment with Cruel Intentions was when the tour went to Philly, um, where I'm from. I, I, you know, that was sort of like a, you know, because if you follow, if you're friends with me on Facebook, if you follow me on social media, you have not gone the last five years without hearing about it. Um, I've always, uh, you know, I'm always posting about it, even when we don't have it up, run, yeah. it up and running somewhere. Um, but for my friends and family to finally get to experience it, you know, some of them, some of them came up to see it in New York, you know, my parents and everything. Um, but really, you know, Philly, it was coming home. You know, I got to go home and, uh, see the show in a theater that, um, you know, I used to see shows in when I was in college. Um, and that was, that was mine. That was mind blowing, uh, to me. Um, and I remember we were like walking around town and there was like an advertisement for it on like the old JC Penney window. Um, and I, you know, I used to walk by that window all the time, like on Friday and Saturday nights, like if I was going out to dinner or going out in, 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 in the city. And um, so that, that was very cool. And I mean, obviously, you know, getting to go to the fringe and um, uh, see the UK cast and, you know, it's up for, it's available for licensing now. So I can't wait for post-COVID days to start where right? I can start seeing people putting up their own productions of, of the show and, and telling Sebastian and Catherine's, um, you know, uh, story is, is uh, uh, something I look, look forward to seeing. I always say, Pixar didn't happen. I want to see all the corsets and all the costumes and, uh, you know, crucifixes and, and stuff. And now the younger generation has no way to learn about it through a musical talking about the movie yeah 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 and I mean look I I would say you know the movie is the movie's iconic for a reason you know I think that it has had this sort of lasting legacy um thanks to the the performances from um the cast you know many of who were just sort of starting out in their careers you know um, you know, Roger's, uh, you know, razor sharp scripts, um, and, and the sound, and the soundtrack, you know, uh, it, it's just all of these things I think are, are make a movie, um, you know, you know, last and last and last and last. And, um, I, I, I hope that people keep getting, you know, to, you know, experience the film and the story um through the musical for 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 years to, for years to come um i definitely miss it like i'm i can't wait to be in the audience again wa watching it i can't wait to see the full set <laughs> one day yeah i mean i i honestly i mean that would be i mean i i would love to see the the uh the tour version of the show hit the west coast you know we only sort of yeah. went as far as dallas and chicago um but who knows? I mean, I think COVID has really thrown a wrench into everybody's plans. Um, but fingers, fingers, fingers crossed. I, um, Lindsay and I text all the time about, um, you know, missing, missing the show. Um, I cannot hear uh, a single 90 song from the show without immediately thinking about it. It like follows me everywhere. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the set is, I mean, the set's beautiful. We, uh, you know, uh, Jason Sherwood did an incredible job um, with with uh, with the color scheme and and everything. So, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. And one last cruel question: How was yeah? What was 
the difference between the LA audiences and the New York audiences and the tour audiences? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Um, you know, I, the LA audiences, that was such like a, we were sort of all in that together, right? Like that was such a first time. Um, I, I remember being so, not, not surprised isn't the right word, but we were sold out every night and the energy was always so incredibly high. Um, you know, that it, it almost feels like somebody else was there watching them watch the show. Um, but they've all been, you know, look, here, here's what I'll say. The first two iterations of the show, LA and New York, we were in a bar, you know, that was the, that was the atmosphere that we were going for. Then you move it into like a proscenium theater and we're trying to keep the energy of the party alive, but now people are sitting in their seats and we're not walking all around the room. And um, Lindsay and Kenneth Farone, I think did a really incredible job on the tour of that you were able to have a party in your own, in your own seat, right? And, you know, I, I, so, so that is something that I think has stayed consistent through every iteration is the party like it's 1999 energy um, that, that started, you know, in the Rockwell room. Um, but of course, obviously when the actors are moving all over the place and like, you know, you have Connie screaming Iris, like literally in your ear, that it's a different experience than when you're yeah. sitting in a chair and maybe you're in the balcony. Um, but I, but as somebody who, you know, has now, you know, seen it from afar in every venue, um, the energy is still there. And that is, um, I think sure. Lindsay, and then obviously, like I said, when Kenneth joined the tour, um, we're able to sort of keep that alive. And I think that's a really rare thing to experience in a proscenium room. You know, usually you feel like you're sort of separate, you know, and that the show is here and you're here, but the energy extends off the stage and, you know, there are people singing, you know, you can still bring your drinks into the theater, you know, it's just not as easy to get up and go to the bar, but that energy was still there and, you know, amplified now to fill a bigger room. Um, so, Look, look, I love all on, I love all of our audiences in, in you know, in a different way. Um, you know, I remember being at the Rockwell and hearing people singing along, you know, and you know, you would think that they we were all like in their cars with them. And you know, I think it was Lindsay, and Lindsay I think said once in an interview or something that we were doing that um, you know, that these songs take you back to the moment when you first heard them, whether you were, you know, singing in the car with your friends or in the shower or at karaoke or whatever. And that is, was always our intention when it came to song choice. And that, that you can see that on people's faces in any audience, you know, we were doing brunch shows in New York and obviously the brunch show is going to be a little bit of a different crowd than the Friday night, Saturday night crowd, but there's something, about the 90s and the 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 the, the sort of um you know uh, nostalgia that takes over the second you know zach starts playing those bittersweet symphony chords at the beginning that 
you know, just fuels the the show, you know, partly. Um, and and I also just want to take this opportunity to just shout out everyone who's ever done the show, uh, who's ever been in the show or played in the band. Um, we really are blessed to have worked with some incredible, incredible, incredible talent um, from LA to the fringe, you know? Um, and I honestly can't wait to see who steps into these roles next, you know? Um, that's That's been one of the most enjoyable things to me throughout this entire experience is all the different takes on the characters, you know, from when we started to now. Um, everybody has put their own spin on uh, every single role and um, it's 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 really it's really cool to watch especially when you know this was really only ever supposed to be this like three night concept presentation that didn't have any tech or any you know real that didn't have an intermission um, you know a lot of the songs that are in the show now weren't even in the original version of the show um, so it's just continued to kind of snowball into this like super sexy snowman and you know uh and you know uh but i but i i i'm so grateful um for you know your support for the amount of times that you came out to support the show and all the shows that you've come out to since then um i you know i i i love theater you know i i definitely yeah. think that um i see um, obviously maybe like an original musical somewhere in my future, hopefully. Um, yes. but this has been a really nice way of staying creative between jobs. Um, and there is just like no feeling of standing in the back of a, of a theater watching something that everyone has worked so hard on to put up, um, happen, uh, you know, um, and, that that you know that that feeling never that feeling never gets old there is like a rush um that i get every single time every single performance i i'm usually there every night we have a show you know unless you know something i'm out of i really don't see you so <laughs> at shows yeah i mean i i uh i think i only ever missed like two rockwell cruel intention shows i, I think Think yeah, I, I actually wasn't at the show that Ryan Philby went to. I was um, somewhere else, I, so I missed that one. See, I was gonna say I'm really glad that I ran for longer than three nights because I didn't see it until. Well, like I mean, me. May, I, I mean, think. I mean, me too. I mean, I you know, obviously, obviously, um, I, I'm I'm very happy. You know, now it now here we are five years later, and um, it really it really did kick down a door. Uh, you know, for me, as opposed to just like letting me wiggle my foot in there. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, it led to the Cruel Intentions TV pilot, which was a, you know, a, a, you know, an out of body experience also in its own unique way. Um, and, uh, and then from there on, you know, it's, it's, uh, I love, I can, I can talk about Cruel Intentions till I'm blue in the face and probably, and probably, and probably have. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I really need to, um, just, you know, continue to give all the love to the people that came out to see the show when we were just getting started. And, um, I really hope LA gets a chance to see it again, um, soon. Um, it is something that we talk about all the time and something that Lindsay and I 
would would love to see. So um, knock on knock on wood, which my desk is made out of. I think my chair is made. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, listen. You never. You know, I would say. You know, I know never say never is like a cliche, but uh, you know, look at look at everything the show has has gone on to do. Um, yeah. You know, in in its in its uh, in its uh, lifetime. So. Yeah. Um, hopefully five, five plus, you know, more years of cruel 10, whatever, you know, yes. as, as long as, as long as people, you know, I think as long as people are still looking for, um, you know, that throwback feeling that makes everybody, um, just transports them immediately to a different time in their lives. Um, I think cruel will be there to, uh, hopefully do for, you know, nineties fans, um, you know, what Rock of Ages does for, for 80s fans. And, um, you know, that was never, that was so far out of my realm of possibility, of the realm of possibility when it was just like a, a PDF document on my computer. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think that um, I love the show. I love how much former cast members love the show. Um, and I love seeing people discovering the show for the first time, whether it's through, clips that are floating around still out there on YouTube or, um, uh, the album and, um, yeah. And then hopefully, hopefully once we can all get back into the theater, um, I, uh, have some fun, um, you know, upcoming musical things planned, you know, so. I was going to say everyone who's, uh, who I've had on, who knows you, we brought up, I wonder how much Jordan has been, working on during this quarantine and how many movies he has on a list to adapt for the stage um well i mean i can i mean we can i mean i will say i i who knows at this point because we are now so i feel like everything just keeps changing and like er, at earliest maybe january um but um uh, i i want to do swim fan that's something that i'm currently working on with um uh, I think with Jordan Kai Burnett, she and I are working on that together. Oh. So I'm very excited about that. Um, we are doing the Goonies, um, which I'm, which, which, uh, is very like early, early stages, but, um, the idea of getting all of, um, you know, getting, getting adult actors to play, uh, these kids, you know, going on this adventure and singing eighties music is something that I think is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, I think this has to finally be the year I do Grease too. I feel like I just can keep yes. talking about it and um, it just has to happen. So um, that is also uh, on the list. And then of course, um, the, the, uh, the next uh, Once More With Feeling uh, show that we had to postpone uh, due to COVID uh, will also be, be happening. And I'm uh, excited to find a date on the calendar for that as soon as possible. And uh, if assuming we're able to safely gather in a theater by next year. Have has there been any talk talk of uh, I know what you did last summer coming back? I mean, I would do that show like in my apartment. You know, <laughs> I I love, you know, I loved I love that show. I love the cast. You know, I think, you know, Bianca and Greer and Ryan Stevens and Dale's and everybody just brought such a, um, you know, Matthew Scott Montgomery and you know. Uh, Scott Trent, Alley. I mean, I could list everybody. Um, I love that show. It, 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 every iteration has been 
uh, has, I feel like, you know, the show just sort of gets better. Um, and we were super close to bringing it back this summer before COVID hit. Um, so I will say publicly that I will do, I know we did last summer, every summer, if people let me, you know, like if people want to give me a few nights anywhere to do it, I will, I will 100% find a way to, um, yes. make it happen. And, um, I, I think the world needs it like a horror musical. You know, I, I'm always, Joey and I are always trying to find ways to sort of like, um, amp up the in theater scare experience. Um, and I think we were sort of able to do that in three clubs. Um, I know we had a little bit of that at El Cid. Um, and I think whatever the next version of the show, uh, ends up being, I think needs to sort of take that to, the next level uh and i would love for people to leave feeling like they were in the movie um as opposed to just sort of watching it with music um so yes i i would love to um i would love it i i honestly any anytime anytime any venue in la because they're having trouble booking and you need a show we will do i know you did last summer yes. i will show up and i will i will find a way to make it happen or just in someone's apartment so or in mine, like we could do like a live. We could do like a live stream. I'm sure I could get the cast to come over and and yeah. do it. But um, yeah, I I would love I would love that. Um, and uh, the new version does have some new uh, one or two new songs in it, um, and is a little bit longer. So it feels uh, more of like a, a a a full show. We tried to like kind of. Um, you know, to, to bring people back, I think when you when you put up a show yeah. for another time, it needs to feel like it um, that 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 it's changed, that it warrants people to spend the money on a ticket. It's so pricing. we always try to, you know, kind of raise raise the bar with every with every uh, run. It's also the horror movie musicals are a good way to introduce people who aren't horror movie people into these movies. One, oh, one, and also just maybe the musical theater, I think yeah. it, it kind of, um, uh, kind of gives us a, 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 a new audience. I, you know, I remember when we were advertising for, I know you did last summer, I was sort of reaching out to places like, um, uh, Fangoria and, uh, Bloody Disgusting and, um, some, you know, horror movie websites and blogs to say, okay, well, look, it's this, you know, uh, cult teen horror movie set to set to music from the the decade um and i think even now the the musical is becoming less of a 90s musical and more of just like a horror musical um so there are now some songs actually in the show that um are not from the 90s but kind of open up the um you know open up our audience a little bit more so that we can kind of say that you know we're not going to put ourselves in any specific sort of decade box. Just come and see this movie, come be scared, come hear some killer talent and come have a great time. Speaking of decades, I have a really hard question for you probably. What's yes. your favorite, what's your favorite song from the eighties, nineties and uh, early 2000s? Oh my God. <laughs> Becca, you can't do that to me. You know that I just like love everything. Um, okay. Well, you pick one from each. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> Um, all right. If I had to pick a, a song from the 80s that's my favorite, it would probably be Take On Me by AHA. Um, and like any version of it, like any cover, like I'll take it like acoustic. If you want to give me like, you know, some harmonies on it, like even better. Um, 
Take On Me is, is, is I think, a favorite 80s song. Uh, favorite 90s song? Oh, no. And you're like, here's my top 10. <laughs> yeah, like, where do, where do I start? Um, okay, uh, my favorite uh, 90s song is actually not in any musical that I've done. Um, because there just hasn't been room for it. I think we had talked about putting it in Never Been Kissed and it just didn't happen. Um, Barely Breathing by Duncan Sheik okay. is like a go-to, I am barely breathing and I can't find, every like go-to karaoke song, um, just like this, like cool pop acoustic, you know, Duncan Sheik went on to do Spring Awakening um, he did all the music for Spring Awakening, but I'm always just like at the end of a Duncan Cheek musical, want to hear somebody sing Barely Breathing. Like everybody sits down at curtain call and like they sing that. Um, so Barely Breathing, yes, is my favorite 90s, uh, 90s song. And then early 2000s, like 2000, 2010. Yeah. I was like such like an emo kid in the <laughs> 2000s. Um, I feel like everyone hmm. thought they were... Everyone older than the I mean, age of I like mean listen, walk, walk to Remember was literally like my entire high school playlist. So, uh, oh God, that's hard. Um, I really like, okay, you know what I'm just going to say? It's like 2001, I think. Uh, one of my favorite songs from the early 2000s is Here's to the Night by Eve Six. It's in, I know you did last summer. Um, I, this is going to be so dumb. This is going to be so dumb. <laughs> um, the reason, I remember where I first heard the song. The song was used in um, promos for when Buffy and Roswell went to UPN. And it was like, this is going to be the best night of television. And I remember they used it. And I think ever since then, it has just been like a song that I always uh, connect to, you know, sort of that specific time in my life where I was like falling in love with TV. Um, you know, and then right on the heels of like Buffy ending, you know, you know, I think we got like VOC and WB, uh, yeah. uh, you know, the One Tree Hill and everything. But like, here's to the night is like a very underrated uh, Eve Six song that I love putting on in the car and singing along with all the time. And being able to put it in a musical with harmonies mashed up with Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry was literally just like a, a personal dream of, of mine. So. Um, yeah, I think that, yeah, I can live with those choices. And see, now I don't feel crazy for liking songs that are used in promos, like loving oh, them obsessively that are used in TV Oh, promos. no, 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 I mean, back in, I think, I think back in like the early, well, back in the 2000s, I think it was more common to use songs that, you know, were, were familiar so that you would maybe even like pull your attention a little bit more. Um, God, I mean, this is gonna be, this is dumb, but I, I remember there was a One Tree Hill promo when I was in college that used It Ends Tonight by All American Rejects. And I think that's where I heard the song for the first time. Um, you know, and then obviously now I, it's on like, you know, playlists that I've had on my computer, um, you know, since I was uh, a, a teenager or, you know, 18 or 19. But, um, you know, I feel like my entire music taste is usually sort of built out from like, the 90s and then anything I heard on the WB is like sort of that's my that's sort of where I learned how to love love music and um yeah I mean shout out to those music supervisors who just like knew the exact song to break your heart in like the final two minutes of a tv show 
Um, and then another song question. If you could pick yeah. a theme song for your life, what would it be? Oh, Becca, this is hard. A theme song for I know, my I have life. hard questions. A theme song for my life. I'm trying to think like, so here's the thing. When I love a song, I will listen to it on repeat until I run it into the ground. Um, okay, so there's a song by this band called Arizona. I don't know if you know who they are, um, but... Um, it's called nostalgic. Um, and I just think it kind of <laughs> sums up everything about me. I, me. I mean, I, I obviously, you know, I'm 32 years old. I've been in LA almost 10 years. I am uh, so incredibly grateful to have had some incredible opportunities and have some really great times in my life. Um, but when it comes to writing and creating, um, I really do tend to tap into the the things that make me feel good and smile. And I don't think there is a single person who knows me that would argue that I'm not nostalgic for um, a different time, you know? And that doesn't, um, that's not a reflection on where I am now and what I'm working on. Um, but I'm even, you know, writing a TV pilot right now for MGM that is, um, very much nostalgic for all of the music and shows and movies and things that we're talking about. So, um, yeah, Nostalgic by Arizona um, is, is I would have to say, maybe right now and maybe at least for the last five years, pretty much sums up uh, where I'm at to a T. I can see that. Yep, perfect. Um, and what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into the creative side, like behind the scenes side of the entertainment industry? You know, I, the, the only piece of advice that I think I can give that I was sort of given that isn't really like a, is not really like a theater related thing. Um, because honestly, you know, the Cruel Intentions musical came from, you know, a TV writer telling me yeah. to find a way to, um, separate myself from everyone else to have something on my resume that was like a talking point. And at the time I thought that was really interesting. I, you know, didn't even think that it would be a musical, but I, I sort of took that. And then obviously, you know, after I, you know, had gone to the Rockwell a few times and seen a lot of theater around LA, I went, oh, okay, like I could do this, this is interesting. But in terms of like, you know, getting your foot in the door and getting experience, you know, not just being creative, but being around creative people um, uh, is making your own opportunities. You know, I, I think that, I think that, you know, you can sit around forever and wait, you know, but if you really want something, if you're really interested in something, you know, go out there and try to find a way to um, be a part of that world, whether you're sort of, you know, auditing and just sort of watching um, whether you are a PA and you're just assisting, um, I, 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 you know, I think that that is, you know, you really sort of have to sort of take control of, of what you, of what you want. Um, and there are thankfully now, I think more of those opportunities in LA to be involved in theater than there maybe were, you know, five years ago when I was sort of, uh, starting, starting out. But I, I think make your own opportunities, 
you know, is sometimes a little easier said than done. But I think that when you're passionate about something, you know, when you, when you have that sort of, um, you know, can't eat, sleep or breathe feeling without, you know, that in your life, um, that, that, that you are more inclined to go out there and go, okay, you know, how do, how do I do this to send the email going like, hi, my name is so-and-so, you know, I was wondering if you have any, um, open opportunities for me to, you know, help out on your next production. Um, and I, I love having people come in and, uh, and, 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 you know, want to be around and work because they just love the environment and love the atmosphere. And, um, so yeah, I think make your own opportunities. I got that very early on when I moved out here and I continue to impress that on other people. And don't be scared to do something out of your comfort zone. Never, never, never. I mean, look, the worst somebody can say when you shoot an email is no. Um, so that's really, that's really it. Um, and don't let that deter you, you know, that, 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 you know, if not this production, if not this production company, if not this, you know, maybe, maybe the next one. And, um, you know, you, you never, you never know that, that one, yes, that one, that one, yes, can, can, can really change anything, everything, you know, had we not gotten three nights, you know, on the calendar at the Rockwell, um, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, we, I definitely don't know where I would be now. Um, so keep, keep, keep going out there and keep, uh, trying to, um, do what you're passionate about. Yes, absolutely. Um, and how do you think theater anywhere will be different when it's able to safely come back? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, fingers crossed again, you know, knock on everything that there's a vaccine and things can, um, you know, get back to normal once we know that it's healthy for not just the audience, but the performers and the behind the scenes, uh, you know, production staff. I mean, you know, the, you know, actors are one thing, you know, you know, you have the stage managers and the customers lighting sound. Um, so I think it's going to take some, you know, putting heads together to find a way to, um, kind of, you know, kind of get us all back in the room together. I will say what I think I'm really excited about is to see how this forces people to adapt um, and be cre be more creative in a production uh, sense. Um, you know, there have been a lot of really exciting things happening over Zoom, obviously. Um, but even, um, you know, just sort of when it comes to those immersive dinner theater um, experiences, those shows, you know, you know, maybe you do cut capacity, you know, keep people separate, you know, stage it a little bit of a different way. Um, you know, I've seen some musicians doing these like drive-in concerts where they're on stage and everyone else is in the car. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know if, you know, there's a future in that with theater. I know they've been trying some things in London, you know, where they've been doing sort of like the drive-in uh, theater experience. Um, it's really hard to say, you know, how this is going to, uh, you know, change the medium. I mean, even just talking about cruel intentions, I mean, Sebastian almost kisses everyone in the show, you know, like, you know, until we can know that everybody is safe from transmission, it's really hard to kind of, you know, have people within six feet of each other with microphones on. Um, 
So, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time, I think, in, in the last few months thinking about, um, you know, changes in production. You know, what are some ways that you can kind of switch up the way an audience experiences a show, not necessarily digitally, although I think it's really awesome that um, folks like, uh, you know, Graham and Pixel Playhouse and yeah. um, uh, have, have been bringing theater, the theater experience into people's homes. Um, I think that's awesome. I, I think that I'm excited to see how this forces people to think outside of that box um, in terms of in-person production. Um, you know, do you do a show that's, you know, a cast of two, you know, and have them separate? You know, I was making a joke, like, do you do like cast away the musical where it's just one guy on stage, you know, and then you have somebody singing off stage as the volleyball. I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. The poor person on stage alone, like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're not like playing off of anybody, you know, yeah. you know, but I, but I mean, I mean, that's more of like a joke. I'm not seriously considering doing Castaway the musical, but I do, I do think that, um, you know, I think just thinking about it as a whole, the industry as a whole, I think that, you know, things are going to change temporarily. Um, and, you know, not to like circle all the way back to the beginning of, of our chat, but, you know, we went from, you know, having, you know, sold out houses have never been kissed to like literally all theaters are closed. So yeah. uh, it, it was weird. You know, it was weird. I don't know. Did you come to Hometown Jukebox? Yes. Yeah. You know, and like that, that was, was like, that, that was, was like, crazy. that was crazy. That was like three weeks before like LA shut down and we were all crammed into that like yeah. back room at three clubs, you know, singing country music and, you know, you know, it, it all happened really quickly. So you know, I don't think there is any like one right answer for how to um, predict the changes to obviously the world that um, we love so much, you know, here here in LA and, you know, everywhere else. Um, but I think I'm excited to see how it encourages people to, to change, you know, their way of thinking and when it comes to theater. And maybe theater can be brought to a more diverse audience because like people may who necessarily like oh, can't yeah. afford to travel to a show that they want to see. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, I look, if I, if I thought that, you know, it was a simple answer, I think that you would have seen more of that during this period, but you know, you know, I know one knew it was, I didn't even know what zoom was, you know, what? like did zoom even, I, I mean, I guess it did exist before this, but no one was really using it in the same capacity, you know, this is for, yeah, this has forced everybody to adapt. So I think, um, but yes, I, I agree. I, um, I, I do think that um, we have the luxury of having this really unique, um, this really unique, I don't wanna say bubble, but re really unique, um, the area of LA that people don't really know exists unless you live here. Um, granted, I'm not, I don't think anybody needs to be taking credit for like unauthorized musicals. I think they happen everywhere. So like, to, you know, like, that, you know, if, if anybody can do one, if they really wanted to go and do one um, in any theater company or scenario. But the way that it has sort of um, come to exist in Los Angeles, it is like this sort of widely known you know, thing that that I I I wish I sort of had had when I first moved out here to to go to, um, 
Um, and I, and I, and I, t- t- for, for, for other people, whether you're in a big city or a small town to be able to log on to experience that, I think is, I think it's just the future of the way we consume content as a whole. You know, I, I, I really, I really do. I mean, you know, even if it's like, you know, live streaming one performance of a show at El Cid or the Rockwell or three clubs or wherever, you know, and letting people come online and buy tickets, you know, and watch from wherever is, is, is sort of where I think we're headed anyway. Will it, will it, will it, um, will it make up for um, the live in-person experience? 100% not, but that doesn't mean it can't be its own unique experience, you know, in its own right. Yeah, for And uh, lastly, is there anything that you haven't talked about that you're able to talk about that you've been working on during this quarantine period? Um, no, I mean, I said I was writing a pilot for MGM. I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but I think it's fine. <laughs> um, I think it's fine. Um, I... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's been most of my quarantine. Um, I, you know, have done some musical work on the side, trying to get some, you know, ducks in a row on, you know, how to proceed once we're able to dive back into it. Um, but, you know, you know, I think because I do so much theater uh, all the time, like I live and breathe, like every, you know, um, it's like, it's like I can't not be doing a show. So, that's been really hard for me, uh, <laughs> you know, during this time. Um, but I did move out here to write for TV and um, being able to, uh, you know, spend, spend you know, the time at home, social distancing, um, you know, kind of diving into another world has been a really nice escape. Um, so I hope that you guys have the, uh, you know, you never know, but hopefully um, you guys have a chance to see that. And, uh you know, and like I said, there are always cruel intentions conversations happening. There's never not cruel intentions conversations happening. Um, so on behalf of Lindsay and Zach and, you know, everybody involved in, in the musical that um, I, I hope there are many, many, many cruel days to, to come once we're all able to be back in person. Yes, same, Chris, my fingers. And uh, to keep up with you and coming, projects that you think once the world opens open back up. Uh, where can people follow you on social media? Where can media? people follow me? People can follow me. Um, so my Instagram is jrshindy, which is like my full name. And then, uh, and then Twitter is Jordan Ross TV. And I'm, you know, like, I mean, we're all at home. I feel like uh, all I do is either like eat, tweet, or write. So maybe sleep. Sometimes hang with my dog, I guess. Oh, your dog. Get yeah, he's, he's, dog. Been try- he's, been, he's actually been trying to get into the room while I've been on Zoom with you. I'm shocked he hasn't. He's kind of figured out how to open the door, but um, that actually would have been a great interview moment for him to just, like, wander in. Yeah, why, yeah, why didn't he just wander in? One of these uh, days he'll, he'll open the door. Well, he will. He did, actually. I was on a Zoom in, a Zoom meeting, I think, at the beginning of quarantine, and he liked us, and I was like... Right. Well, we're not going to keep doing that for sure. That's going to stop. That's going to stop. You're like, I'm going to meet my dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. It's like having like a toddler who just was able to come inside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or you have a dog barking in the background if they're in the same room as you. And... 
yeah, 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 yeah. No, but he he ends up he ends up actually being a nice. It's a uh, obviously you know I got him in November, so I had no idea yeah. that we would be uh, be all stuck at home together. He's gonna he's gonna be real pissed when we can all start going back to work and. Or you have to wonder too if they're gonna be like, oh good, no more like thirty walks a day. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. They're he's like so relieved that I'm finally out of the house. He's like, thank God. Yeah, I was taking my dog Angel on like like fifty walks a day first. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He he. My dog's lazy, so you know, like he does his business, and then I bring him back inside. Oh, so is Angel. I just carry her. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He 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 used to be carryable. He's 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 like thirty-two pounds now. I think he's gonna be I'd rather not have to carry him back down the sidewalk to the apartment. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um but I, thank you so much for considering, oh, yeah. you know, having me on, on your show and um, you know, uh hopefully we'll be back uh you know, back back in uh doing cabarets and stuff together soon we're gonna have to do like a taylor swift volume three i think now aren't we? yes yeah that new album is so good i think greer's gonna make you oh uh, she yeah i mean i think i think brian and i have already brian greer and i are in like a separate chat talking about like pick your songs now um so yeah we will we're we will. already we'll, picked half of them she's she, like yeah she she's she'll let she'll, she'll narrow it down to maybe five the day before yeah <laughs> She's like, okay, you all can have the other ones. I have, I have these half, this half. Yeah, so, well, you know, but I, you know, I was not a big Taylor. I think doing these Taylor Swift cabarets has made me like her more, her music yeah. more. Um, and this new album, I think, is just fantastic. So um, if anybody needs somebody to write a folklore jukebox musical, I uh, am available and I, I will do that. I'm down. Well, thank you for joining me on this, too. Of course, of course. I can't wait to, I can't, I can't wait um, to see who else you bring in and keep watching and uh, hope you're well and see you back in, uh, see you back at any number of the venues in Los Angeles when, uh, soon, hopefully. Oh my God, the amount of shows I'm going to be going to once the theater reopens. Oh, 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 100, oh, I, I'm going to have, I'm going to have no time on my hands. Yeah, everyone knows that I'm going to be at all of them. Um, all right, Becca. It was great talking to you. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good, have a good rest of your day. You Bye. You too. Bye. Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel, like this video, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye.